0: Excellent. So thank you. I'm Kelly Watson. I'm a research associate in the Manchester Urban Institute, and I also um, work as a social value consultant at Arup um, two days a week. So I'm in their infrastructure advisory team. Um, But this project is about my post-doctorate work, which is actually, again, in collaboration with Arup, but with the buildings team. Um, So I'll go through this very quickly, because I don't want to take too much into your coffee time. Um, So the background to this is that Arup have been investing in their social value kind of innovation over the last six or seven years, and that's included three PhDs, first one of which was flood infrastructure, my one was on buildings, and then there's a current PhD student that's looking at um, nuclear decommissioning. So all of those are about social value of those topics. So um, my PhD was looking at how can we measure and articulate the impact that buildings and built environment has on people. So I used um, a social impact method, SROI, which Jo mentioned, um, and applied that to three case buildings as a kind of novel post-occupancy evaluation method. Um, But one of the main things that came out of this for me was that well-being was such an important outcome and yet there was no real way to measure it. Um, So this again ties into the kind of things that Jamie Anderson was talking about last session. Um, So my postdoc work was really kind of because of that frustration I guess. So this project is Well Cities, it's on the MUI website, there's a web page, some case studies and things up there. Um, But it's all about trying to mainstream some of the the things I found out in my PhD and create a well-being valuation approach or toolkit. Um, so I'm sure lots of you are familiar, familiar with this report from the World Green Building Council. So this is from 2014, all about health and well-being in offices. But this kind of um, is the first kind of evidence base, I guess, for the fact that well-being, number one, is increasingly on the agenda, really, really important driver now. But number two, the fact there's quite a commercial language around it. It's all about the business case for well-being. So this infographic shows that for a business in a year, only 1% of its um operating costs are about energy, whereas 90% are about its staff. So that means that even if you make quite small, modest interventions in a built environment, that might have very small, modest um, impacts on people, but overall that will add up to quite a significant return on investment. So that's the kind of language that's being used. Um, they also have the start to think about um, matrices for how you can measure well-being, so things about the physical space, things about health, well-being and perception outcomes, but then the bit I'm quite interested in it's the fact they call them organisational, but these financial outcomes, and how can we link wellbeing to that kind of language? Um, so if we want to measure wellbeing, we need to understand what we mean by it. So quite often it gets talked about um, synonymously with health, whether that's physical or mental. In terms of buildings, it's quite often in terms of comfort, so normally thermal comfort. Um, usually that's about a lack of problems as opposed to actively designing something to be kind of, um, sort of beneficial. Um, more recently about happiness, so it tends to be linked to beauty or sort of aesthetical architecture, and then um, more recently movement and um, coming in from other sort of disciplinaries but about subjective well-being in the built environment, and again linking to what Jamie spoke about last session. And um, so I kind of want to take those, wanted to take those ideas, but move them slightly further forward to eudaimonic well-being. Again, Jamie did a really good um, kind of explanation of this, but the idea that it's not just about feeling good, but also functioning well, so this idea of flourishing. So typically um, Subjective well-being or hedonic well-being, you'd only measure that using effect and satisfaction, whereas I've added on these additional psychological components. So we're actually trying to measure something that's defined in a more psychological way. So we've developed a multi-item scale to measure that definition of well-being. So it's um, 22 items, quite simply, just um, respondents would rate that on this um, five-point Likert scale. So it's quite a simple, cost-effective way. To get a quantitative score of people's well-being in buildings, but this kind of slightly deeper definition of well-being. If we want to make that link between well-being and the kind of commercial case and productivity increases, I think we need to know a little bit more about what's going on. Um, so these are some of the um, different sectors that we trialled this in, in in order to validate the scale. Um, some non-clinical healthcare buildings, some commercial offices. Um, some of these were across a whole portfolio of centres. So we, um, we've applied this across the Maggie's cancer support centres in the UK. Um, commercial offices as mainly Arab offices and some others there we've been able to do some kind of before and after evaluations of office moves and things like that and then higher education actually on campus here but also student residential and some staff workspaces which was libraries we've got lots of different types of libraries on campus so looking at some of the impact of those um, so the kind of data you get you can um, produce these overall averages so this would be for different buildings the kind of well-being score if you like um, but the thing to note here is that case buildings 1 and 3 are quite similar, but then if we actually disaggregate that down into those sub-components, um, you can see that for case building 1, so the blue the blue um, bars, for effect it's actually in the minus compared to um, case building 3 that's not a great score but positive. Then if you look at the autonomy measures, case building 1's massively outperforming case building 3. So immediately you can see you're getting a lot more insights about what could be going on than if you just use quite traditional self-report well-being questions. So this would form part of a much wider evaluation program, but it does give you more information than if you're just using those kind of standard questions. And um, Also, if we, if we follow through that social return on investment process, we can then place a value on those outcomes. So obviously, can't take you through that process, but um, the thing to note here is that this really opens the door to different types of audiences and different types of people. So um, maybe designers wouldn't be so interested in the pound sign, but it means you can start talking to client bodies or commissioners or investors They're the kinds of people that suddenly become interested when you take data to them in that kind of format. Um, So I was going to take you through um, the fact we've applied this on campus. So they've got part of that wider master plan. They've got um, strategic plan around green infrastructure. It's all about really showing that there's value in the public realm. It's not just the space in between buildings on campus. Um, So we ran a um, baseline 12 months ago and that went out to a representative sample of staff and also on student channels. And the data from that has um, gone into the Living Campus Plan um, and actually formed some of their, their baseline data. Um, they've got some financial um, valuations related to it and they've produced some targets as a result of that. So this shows another way that that kind of data can be used. Um, and then just moving forwards, trying to continue to broaden this out from buildings to public realm and green infrastructure. Um, we've worked with some MSc students over the summer. So um, one of those has looked at urban parks. So you've got Piccadilly at the top, Piccadilly Gardens at the top. Um, which she compared with a um, residential park in North Manchester. Unsurprisingly, Piccadilly Gardens didn't score very well. Um, We've got Castlefield in the middle, so um, this student looked at blue-green infrastructure and she compared Castlefield to Salford Quays and um, Platfields Park. And what came out here was actually the heritage architecture combined with the blue-green infrastructure in Castlefield um, was really important and scored highly in terms of people's wellbeing. And then the bottom one is um, Hume Community Gardens, so this was community-run green spaces um, so this student looked at various different spaces, but the fact that we have an autonomy measure in the scale meant he could really start to understand why is it that certain spaces, maybe boost people's well-being, is it because they're actually involved in the running of those spaces and we could actually start to look at that because of the autonomy measure. Um, and then finally, this is the other um, images that are um, an Arab project, so we've started to apply this to some Arab work as well. So this is a street closure in London. And then they did a pop-up parklet installation. So we were able to do a kind of before and after, and they showed that there was a 30% increase in people's wellbeing once this new um, parklet was in place. So they're currently trying to work out whether they can make this permanent or not. Um, So yeah, just to wrap up then, what we've got is a kind of combination of a way of measuring wellbeing and a more psychological definition of wellbeing, combined with the social um, value aspect, give us a wellbeing valuation approach, which can be used kind of throughout the development process. Um, for commissioners and investors when they're actually trying to define their brief and the kind of spec they want, Um, during tendering to say, well we've done this before and we've got evidence base, we can, we know we can deliver this, Um, and evidence base for designers to actually make those informed decisions about what works, and then the most important bit, actually evaluating what you've got once it's occupied. Um, And then I just wanted to draw your attention to um, this New Thought Leadership group about social value in the built environment. So It's quite an early venture between Social Value UK and Realworth, which is a consultancy up here in Manchester. They've had two meetings so far over the summer, um, which is of to gather people together and really start to understand what people want or need around this. But the first actual thought leadership group was last night in London, which I attended, and then the next one is on the 30th of November in Manchester. So I would say it's something that this area, if you're interested in, I'd recommend going along, so some really interesting discussions. Thank you.